you want to find the Bible app on your phone, your device, or hard copy of the scriptures, join us in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. As you're finding Revelation 5, I want to echo what Chris shared earlier. We're excited about what God is doing with Living Church and the transition of starting a Sunday gathering in Northern Kentucky. And we're already seeing God use that, where we had people from house churches and that attend house churches in Northern Kentucky come and be a part of that gathering. Who just It was just a distance for them to come here. And we've seen um, people come to that gathering that maybe don't really know Jesus or they're in a house church and they're learning more about Jesus. And so we're seeing some great things happen Already with starting that gathering, we've seen God do some things here, like God raising up people here with our house churches on the Cincinnati side to just step in and lead and do different things. And, and I just kind of want to share with you at the open house a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, you know, when we kind of walked around the building and everything, kind of share with you my personal feelings, if that's okay. Can I share my feelings in church? I would hope so. All right. Um, so I kind of had this, this feeling of like, I felt like if you've ever had to take your kids to the first day of school when they're little, or I've had to, to take my kids to college and drop them off to college, first day of college, that's kind of how it felt for me uh, at that open house, right? I felt like, man, this is so good. This is so exciting. I can't wait. It's good. But then there's this kind of like, it's just kind of hard, right? Because we're probably not going to see each other as often and all those emotions that maybe come with that. But you know it's good, and you know it's right, and you know it's best for for everyone involved. But the relationship transitions a little bit because you're just not going to be with each other or see each other. That's kind of how I felt. You know, it's kind of that that emotion. I think that's okay. This transition is difficult, but it's good, right? It's hard, but healthy, and we're seeing God do it. And this is nothing new to the church. All right, we were just experiencing what the first century church has experienced as well as they would send. This is the other side of sending, right? We get like all jazz, oh, going to blah, 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 you know, go starting this thing. And then there's this other part of sending where it's like, it's just kind of like, ugh, just kind of, it's just hard. But you know, it's good. It's like, I know it's good for my kids when I leave it, right? I know that's really good for them. And we're still family. Nothing changes that. We're still going to see each other. We're going to still do things together. But it's just different. And I think just to understand that transition a little bit, it's all part of what God wants for us. I just kind of wanted to share that with you. And we're excited about what God's going to do here as well as in Northern Kentucky. And, man, we're excited about just the future. This is just the start, I believe, what God has next for us, right? So hopefully in Revelation 5, have you ever asked the question or been asked the question, how much longer? All right, have you ever, all right, so here's what I want you to do. With the people around you, I want you to, to share, when have you ever asked that question or been asked the question, how much longer? Just take a couple minutes with the people around you. If you don't know their names, introduce yourselves to them and discuss, when have you heard or asked the question, how much longer? All right, somebody share with us, when have you ever asked that question or been asked the question, how much longer? Yes. When you're on a road trip, right? Who else said that? Anybody else say road trip? Yeah, absolutely. All right. How much longer, Dad, until we're going to stop? You know, how much longer until you're going to find a rest stop? And in my, you know, anyway. All right. What, what else? How, how, what other times have you heard people ask it? Yes. When your child is in a certain stage of something and you're just wondering how much longer, Lord, right? 
How much longer until they sleep through the night, maybe, right? All, anybody else? How much longer? Yeah. How much longer until the electricity comes back on? That was us this past week. Our electricity went off for a day or so. So we were asking that question a little bit. Yeah. How much longer till you seat us in the restaurant, right? How much longer is a pastor going to preach, right? How much longer before retirement, all right? Anybody else? Something different? How much longer in school, right? All these different things. How much longer is this line at Kings Island? Whatever. All these, we ask this question all the time, how much longer? Have you ever asked God the question, how much longer? God, how much longer? longer. Right? At some point probably in your life you've asked God that question or you're going to ask God that question. And if you do and when you do, you are not alone in asking God the question, God, how much longer? We know this because actually in the book of Revelation chapter 6, and we'll have it on the screen for us, Revelation chapter 6, John sees a vision of God's people, first century followers of Jesus who have been killed because they simply follow Jesus. They were killed because they loved Jesus and because they loved telling people about Jesus. And what John hears these first century followers of Jesus who have been killed, what they're asking God is this, how much longer? How long, God? How long until you bring justice for your people? And, and so if, you're ever, if you've ever asked God the question, how much longer, or you find yourself asking God how much, you're, you're not alone. First century followers of Jesus, even the Psalms are songs of, of lament. How much longer, God? And Revelation is so helpful here because I believe as we jump into Revelation chapter 5, God is going to give his people an answer on what do we do when following Jesus is hard and we're asking God how much longer. And I think we can get an answer here from Revelation chapter 5. Well, what do God's people do when just following him is hard? And, we, and we're asking, God, how much longer? Now, before we dig into Revelation chapter 5, let's do a quick review about Revelation, okay? Because it's been a couple months since we've been in, 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 in going through this study together. Overall view of Revelation, listen. Revelation is less about how the world is going to end. It's less about the end times and more about the victory of the church through the resurrected King Jesus. All right, so we need to start out of the gate with that. That is the lens through which we need to interpret Revelation. That is le- it is less about how the world is going to end and more about the victory of God's people through our resurrected King Jesus Christ. So when you read the book of Revelation, you need to read it through a lens of seeing Jesus and seeing victory. Right? That's how we need to be reading the book of Revelation. Now, as Revelation begins, we kind of use the analogy of like a drama or a play. All right? And so imagine that the curtain is closed of Revelation. And, and so what we have are God's people, first century followers of Jesus who are complacent. They're compromising. They're being persecuted for their faith. They're being banished to islands simply because they follow Jesus. And that was the Apostle John's situation where he's on this island and called Patmos. And it's kind of like Hunger Games on this island. Like that's where Rome would send their criminals and they would just let the criminals roam free and they would just kind of be on their own to kind of find food and whatever. And so John potentially could be like caring for his life here. 
as he's on this, and he's there simply because he loved Jesus and he loved telling people about Jesus. So this is the situation of God's people. So you can imagine if you're a follower of Jesus in the first century being persecuted, you're wondering how much longer, how much longer, God, until you bring justice for us. And that's the situation. And so if, if Revelation is like this drama or play and, this, and, and the curtain is closed, Revelation, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ Eventually, in chapter 1, God is going to pull open the curtain for God's people. And if you're God's people represent the first century followers of Jesus, it's like you're watching this, and what you see, the very opening of Revelation, is your King Jesus in all his splendor. It's like God says, listen, what you need to do when you're struggling and being person, you need to keep looking at Jesus. And then chapters 2 and 3, Jesus writes letters to his churches. And then chapter 4, John gets kind of ushered in, transported, if you will, into seeing the, the insides of, the, of, of heaven's throne room. And I think that's important because after reading the letters that Jesus wrote to the church, there was some affirming stuff, but there was a lot of rebuke. And so you'd be like, man, is he really worth following? He just like kind of crushed us, right? And he just kind of like, you know, kind of got on us and disciplining us. And so he Gets John back up, look at Jesus. So John, John chapter 4, or Revelation chapter 4 is kind of this vision inside the throne room of God. And it's kind of unfortunate there's a chapter break between 4 and 5 because chapter 5 is just a continuation of that vision. All right, it's just a continuation of the vision. And I think what we're going to see in chapter 5 is God helping his church understand what do we need to do to prepare for those moments when following Jesus gets hard and we're asking God how much longer. Now, all right, so here we go. Revelation chapter 5. Before we jump into verse 1, kids, all right, kids all the way up to fifth grade. Today's special Bible word. Are you ready? Now, we talked about this at the beginning. Today's special Bible word is scroll, all right? And a scroll is like a piece of paper that's rolled up on the sides, and it has writing on the inside of it and writing on the back of it. It's kind of like a letter, all right? That's a scroll. Every time, I want you to count how many times you hear this word scroll, whether you read it or hear it, all right? And then afterward, you come up to me this morning and tell me how many times you heard the word scroll, and you can, we'll have you give it a prize from this, I don't know what this animal is, all right, prize box, all right? So that's what we want you to do, because we really want you to pay attention to God's word and what he has to say for us today. So today's special Bible word is scroll, all right? So let's dig into Roman, or Revelation chapter 5, answering the question, what do God's people do when following Jesus gets hard and we're asking God how much longer? All right, the first thing we need to do is we need to look to heaven. It's the first thing you need to do. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. So John is inside heaven's throne room. He sees God the Father. He, in his right, and God the Father's right hand is this scroll, right? So he's holding this piece of paper, God is. And it's sealed shut with seven different seals. Now, what is this scroll? We're not exactly told right here what this scroll is, all right? But some believe that it's kind of like a will, like, like writing a will. Because it was custom back then in that time period in Roman law that every, it was required that a will be sealed seven times. So this is kind of like probably God's will or God's decisions on how he's going to bring justice for his people. Now, 
I think we also know that that's probably what this scroll is because we always want to use the Bible to understand the Bible. If we go back to the book of Ezekiel, go there with me, Ezekiel chapter 2, all right? The prophet Ezekiel sees a very similar scroll that John sees. So we go to Ezekiel chapter 2, all right? Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, all right, Ezekiel. Chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this, And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back. Same kind of thing that John sees in Revelation. And there were written on it words of what? Say about that. Lamentation, what else? Mourning and woe. All right, so the scroll that Ezekiel sees is the scroll of justice or judgment. And it's very similar to the, the scroll that John sees. So I think it's pretty safe to say that what's written on the inside and the back of this scroll is God's judgment. God bringing justice for his people. And, and William Barclay said the best solution is to see this scroll as God's will, his decisions for the universe. So verse 2. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. So John hears this angel yelling out, hey, who's worthy to open the scroll? Who's going to open it? Who's going to open it? And what's the answer? No one. No, No creature in heaven or on earth is able to break the seals so that they can read and see how God is going to bring justice for his people. No one. No one's worthy. And then what happens next? Look at verse 4. And John begins to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And the word weep there means he's sobbing like loud for a long time. And it's a cry of grief, a cry of pain. Why? Why do you think John is just overwhelmed with grief that no one's able to open this scroll? I, I, think, I think we get a clue as we look forward to chapter 6 that I think John weeps because they're asking God, how much longer? How much longer do we have to wait for you to bring justice? How much longer? And, so, and, and, and inside this piece of paper is how God is going to bring justice. And if no one's able to open it, then it just means we're going to have to keep waiting. And maybe they even question, God, are you going to bring justice? And so John begins to weep. He's overwhelmed with emotion because he's longing for God to bring an end to their suffering and to bring justice for his people. But if no one's able to open it, then it just means how much longer? How much longer, right? Keep reading. Verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. All right. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So John is weeping. Tears are streaming down his face. And one of the 24 elders walks over to him and says, you don't need to cry. Stop crying. Why? There's someone who's able to open this piece of paper who can break its seals. And so can you begin to feel the excitement that John might be feeling in that moment? Oh, there is someone. You mean, you mean justice is coming? You mean God is going to defend his people? You, you mean that the, 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 how much longer am I, like, there's an answer for that? 
And you can begin to feel John's excitement. Well, who is this person that's able? He's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So we were just told that it's not a created being, so it can't be a literal lion, right? So who is this Lion of the tribe of Judah? It's referring to, if you go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 49, verse 9, we're told that the tribe of Judah is described like a lion. And out of the tribe of Judah is going to come this king who's going to rule forever. And that is a foreshadowing of Jesus coming. And we're told in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 14, that Jesus descended from this tribe of Judah. So the lion of the tribe of Judah is who? Jesus. What about the root of David? A descendant of David. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus specifically refers to himself as the root of David. So who is the lion of the tribe of Judah? Who is the root of David? Jesus is. All right, he is it. He, and so Jesus is the one, this lion's gonna, of the tribe of Judah, he's, he's going to open the scroll. And that's what John is, is told. But what does John actually see? Verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a what? A lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which I think referred to like perfect power which are the seven spirits of God sent in, 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 into all the earth. So God has all power, perfect, and he sees everything Jesus does, but he's a lamb standing. As though it had been slain. How would John know that this lamb had been slain? Say it. What? Yeah, I heard it. What's he, what's he, he's got to be seeing something on this lamb. Scars. Right? He's got to see scars on this lamb showing in, that, that it's, been killed. And so do you know of someone that was maybe called a lamb who was killed? But what's, what's John see? This lamb is standing, so this lamb is alive, right? So here you have this lamb that was now, he's now alive, but it had once been killed, all right? So can you think of a time when someone is called the lamb who was killed? John the Baptist, John chapter 1, verses 26 and 32, or 29 and 36. He says this, that the, Jesus, right? The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he says, Look, the Lamb of God. Jesus is this Lamb that John sees. Jesus is the Lion. Jesus is the descendant of David. Jesus is this Lamb, and he's got the scars to prove it. Because if you remember... Gospel of John, chapter 20, Jesus comes back to life. Thomas isn't really sure about all that's going down. And Jesus says, Thomas, put your hands in the scars. Put your hands in my scars and feel them. And so Jesus has the scars to prove that he is the, the lamb that was slain. And he's conquered the grave because this lamb is standing there. Verse 7, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. Think about that. So Jesus comes and takes us. Can you imagine, feel John's excitement in this moment? He was weeping moments before because no one could open the scroll. And now he's, this Jesus, this lamb, this lion, this reader is able to take the scroll. And now what's that mean? Justice is coming for God's people. 
It's coming. God is answering. God is going to bring judgment. He's going to bring justice to defend his people. And now why is Jesus able to open the scroll? Yes. Perfect. She's exactly right. Good job, Elodie. You're, she's spot on. Because Jesus is the one who made us. Jesus is not a created being. And we've already been told there's no created being that could open the scroll. So whoever can open the scroll must not be a created being. Jesus, because he made of all of us, he's the creator, he's able to open the scroll. That was total spirit God moment right there. That was awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> Another one. Right, because he's the creator. But also because God, the Father, has given Jesus the authority to judge and the authority to open the scroll. John chapter 5, verse 22, it says that the Father has given the Son all judgment. And then Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. So Jesus has been given all authority to carry out the judgment of the Father, to carry out justice for God's people. Several years ago, I was uh, visiting my parents up in Michigan, and it was during the time when my dad was still a pastor at a church up there, and we went to the church building, and we hung out for a little bit, and he said, Mark, I need to talk to you about something. And uh, so we get talking, and he takes me in his office, and he says, listen, I, I know this is the, the stuff that we really want to talk about, but he said, I, I need to talk to you about my will. And he said, I want to make you the executor of my will. I'm one of three kids. I'm in the middle. And he says, I just, I just want you to have that responsibility to carry out in the event that I pass away, you're the one that's going to carry out the decisions that are written in this will. And in that moment, my dad made me the executor of, of his estate, if you will. The father has made the son the executor of the estate. It is on Jesus because he has the authority because who he is to carry out the justice of the Father. And so what happens next? Verse 8, when he had taken the scroll, can you imagine just feel what they're feeling in that moment? He's able to take the scroll. Justice is coming. What do they do? The four living like Narnia-like creatures, we read about them in chapter 4, and the 24 elders, they fall down before the Lamb each holding a harp. That's where people get the idea that all we're going to do is play harps in heaven. And golden bowls of, of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, I want to pause there for a moment and talk about those golden bowls full of incense. In the Jewish temple, there was an, an altar of incense. So there was this, the big curtain. Behind the curtain was the most holy place, right, where the presence of God was on the Ark of the Covenant, everything. Big curtain in front of it. Right in front of that curtain was this altar of incense, and a priest would come in on a regular basis, and he would light the candle of that altar of incense. Have you ever smelled incense? You can, it's okay. You can acknowledge if you have. All right? Okay. So, all right. So, I've smelled incense, too. All right. So, um, so you could, so, and it, like, fills the room, right? It just fills the room. So, every, when you would walk into the Jewish temple, you, it would be full of this smell of incense, and we're told here what that is. It's the prayers of God's people. And I think these are, in the context, I think these are the prayers of God's people for relief. Their cries out to God, like their lament. God, how much longer? God, when are you going to bring justice? And I think this is really important, really beautiful, because it tells me that God hears your cries. 
Your cries for relief fill the throne room of heaven. He hears. And he's collecting them like in this bowl, if you will. And so none of your, your prayers are wasted. It's like you light a scented candle at home, right? And it kind of fills the house. Every time you pray, pray that prayer of a, a cry for relief or, or justice, God, where are you? God, how much? Like, God hears. It's like you're lighting the scented candle and it's filling the throne room of heaven. Verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Now, what's happening? What's heaven's response to all that's going praise, right? First they look to heaven, then they've, now, now they're remembering their Savior, and now they're just in Full praise of Jesus. Worthy are you to take the scroll. What are they singing about? They're singing about Jesus. They're singing about your salvation. These are created beings who Jesus didn't need to even save. They didn't need saving. But they're singing about your salvation. They're singing about my They're singing about what Jesus has done for me. And I love what David Guzik, he has a, a commentary called Enduring Word. And I love how he kind of breaks this down. He says, this new song reveals the provider of your salvation, the Lamb, Jesus. This new song reveals the purpose for your salvation, that you were ransomed. Jesus died on that cross to obtain your release from the shackles of sin, Satan, death, shame, guilt. Jesus died on the cross as your Passover lamb to release you from that. That's the purpose, to release you, to, to make you new, to wash you clean. And that's why Jesus did that. So you have the provider, Jesus, the purpose, your redemption. All right, what, what's the prize? To ransom people for God. Listen, the best thing about being saved, the best thing is God. Not heaven, but God. It's about being in relationship with him. That's why he did it, to obtain your release so you could belong to him. To him, you have this relationship with the God who made you. And he wanted that so much that he put his own son on the cross so you wouldn't have to go there. So you have the provider, you have the purpose Right? You have the prize. God is the prize of your salvation. Then you have the price paid, the blood of Jesus. And then you have the people, every tribe, language, and people, and nation. Let me just say this. The church is the most diverse and yet unified people you will ever be a part of. Hear me on that. There's a lot of talk about, listen, the gospel brings together the most diverse people under one name. Jesus. I remember as a kid, we'd have these kaleidoscopes. Anybody remember those? Like cylinder kind of things, and you look through it, and it's like all these brilliant colors. Raise your hand if you remember those. You've seen those, okay? All right, oh, more than what I thought. That's good. All right, so, you, so, you, so you, well, you get that. It's kind of like the church, like this kaleidoscope, all different kinds of colors, right? People from every tribe and language and nation and all these things, but yet we're one people under one name, Jesus. Listen, the gospel creates unity or creates diversity through unity. And that unity comes through Christ and his death on the cross. Let us not forget that the gospel creates the most diverse community and yet unified community under the name of Jesus. 
one people, one tribe, or every tribe, language of people coming together for Jesus. And then we have this new identity. You've made them a kingdom and priests to our God. They're going to reign on this earth. Jesus makes you royalty, and he gives you 24-7 access to him. And you can, when he comes back, you're going to be like a mayor of something, like mayor of city. I don't know. You're going to get to reign with him. I don't know what that's going to look like, but you're going to get to reign with Jesus when he's here on the earth. How crazy is that? It's amazing. And then what next? Then John looks and he hears around the throne. So we've looked to heaven. We've remembered our Savior. And now we persevere with praise. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels. And they're numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fall down and worship. What's John see next in this heavenly stadium? He sees heaven erupting in praise. Over what? You. The fact that Jesus has saved you. And this really convicted me this week. Let me tell you why. Because I got thinking, is heaven more excited about my salvation than I am? Let that sting a little bit. Is heaven more excited about me being saved than I am? That's what they're praising. They're praising Jesus for saving me. They're praising Jesus for obtaining your release and bringing you into the family of God. And heaven is praising because Jesus is able to open the scroll, which means that God is going to bring justice for his people. Not only does God bring salvation, he brings justice for sin. And he brings it to defend his people. And so what do we do when following Jesus gets hard and we start asking God how much longer? I think Revelation 5 reminds us, look to heaven Remember your Savior and persevere with praise. Look to heaven, remember your Savior, and persevere with praise. So how do we do that, church? That's what I want you to take a couple minutes to talk about, right where you sit. Talk about how do we do this? I want you guys to share right where you sit with each other. How do we look to heaven, remember our Savior, and persevere with praise? Talk about that now. How do we look to heaven? How do we remember Jesus and all he's done for us in our salvation and pers keep persevering with praise in those moments when we're asking how much longer? What, what, what were some of the things you shared? Yeah, Paul. Abiding in Christ. Your personal time with the Lord, absolutely. Spending time with Jesus, yes. Yeah, well. Yeah, worshiping him, maybe put on some praise music, right? And start listening. Yes. Yeah, it's just so important to remember how God has been there previously, right? And how he showed up for you before in, in, in the past times, the past moments. And sharing that with, doing that in community, which is so important. What else? You don't make it if you isolate yourself. When you start feeling like I need to isolate myself from God's people, that's a warning sign. That should tell you, no, I need to be more, spending more time with God's people, right? It's so important so you're not alone. Let the body come around you like the body should and does. 
I want to give us opportunity just to pray. If you, I'll stand over to the side. I'll have Andrea come over to the side as well. And if you need prayer this morning, just come and pray. Maybe you don't need someone to pray for you. Maybe you just kind of want to come and, and pray. I don't know. Or grab people and go to the side. I, don't, I just want there to be a freedom here for us to respond how the Spirit is leading. Okay? But we're going to sing a couple more songs. And can we just join heaven and just thank Jesus for who he is that he saved us? Can you stand with us and let's sing together?